Hello, my name is Taylor Clement, and I'm head of school at Kirk Day School. And I'm Maria Massey, assistant head of school at Kirk Day School. I'm Ben Porter, senior pastor at the Kirk of the Hills. And we're coming once again as our social distancing continues from three different locations. And today we're interviewing Ben Porter, senior pastor at Kirk of the Hills, also father of two KDS students, a second grader, a fifth grader, and one KDS graduate who's a seventh grader at Westminster. And so um, we're looking at this week at Holy Week. And Holy Week means a lot in Christendom. It means a lot in our Christian calendar. But it's different this year. And so, Ben, thanks for coming on today and just talking with us about this very unique time in our lives. Yeah, glad to be here. Uh, Maria, let's start with you for a second. What were kind of like Easter traditions that, that you did growing up? Did you guys have a routine or did you all do anything? I grew up Catholic, and so Easter, excuse me, Easter week was a big, big deal. It's actually one of one of my favorite parts about the Catholic Church growing up was the celebration of Lent and East, well, the observance of Lent and the celebration of Easter because there was so much reverence to it. And um, it's, it's something that for a while I missed before um, I kind of figured out how to do that as an adult. But yeah, we would do, uh, you know, Good Friday um, service. I went to, to Catholic school as well. So um, it was kind of all around me. So we'd have a Good Friday service. And then um, Easter Sunday, we would usually go over to my grandma's in Southern Illinois. And we'd do an Easter egg hunt. Uh, I would tend to, when I was younger, fall asleep in the middle of church uh, and then wake up and went, you know, Easter eggs. So my brother um, had to give me some of his, uh, which he was never too happy about. So um, so yeah, and then we would do an Easter egg hunt at my grandparents and they, my parents, uh, made us divide up the eggs all equally. So even though I have an older brother and a younger sister and, um, even though Lucas would typically find the majority of the eggs, he had to share them all. Uh, so, Easter socialism. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And he was definitely against that. Still is, still talks about it. Um, cause our eggs had, had money in them, not candy. Wow. So, yeah, they had like, you know, dollar bills here and there. So and then there were three five dollar bills. Um, so so that was that was kind of what our Easter traditions looked like. And then a big lunch, of course, and um, the Easter bunny came and, and all that kind of stuff. So it was, it's actually some of the fondest like times. Um, and one of the things I really appreciated about my experience with church growing up was was Easter. Oh, that's really cool. Ben, did you guys have any growing up in Virginia? Yeah, we uh, we didn't really do anything to observe Lent, but on Easter morning, you know, we would have, we would dye Easter eggs before, and we would uh, wake up in the morning, and my mom would have hidden an Easter basket with the, you know, the, the green plastic grass that makes a mess everywhere, <laughs> and, and, and We'd have to go looking for it, and we'd have candy. We didn't get any $5 bills. I don't know what was going on with my parents. They, they didn't know that there was a much better way to celebrate Easter. <laughs> Otherwise, um, my memories are, yeah, getting dressed up, um, some music at church Easter morning, and then ham and deviled eggs afterwards. Uh, it, that's kind of it. What about for you, Taylor? 
Ooh, I grew up Southern Baptist, um, and I grew up at a pretty large church. So uh, mom and dad always had like an Easter basket for me, which was really kind, a lot of candy, uh, that sort of thing, and maybe a toy. Um, but then uh, going to church, I would always, you know, um, get dressed up, and church was always a... Um, a very exciting morning because we'd have to get there super early and my parents like going to the early service and I, I, I would basically fall asleep uh, in the service except for the music and our this, this is this is so funny there are two things I really remember number one a guy that I used to work for he was our music minister at the church Tom Wicks would get up every Easter Sunday and he'd wear a, um, a gray suit and a purple tie and he would sing a song called He's Alive by himself and nice. Then, and then there was a lady, and um, she would, when the spirit moved, she would start yelling. She would stand up and shake her hands and and yell, and it was spiritually terrifying for me. So, like, every Easter, I would, like, go in and knew that she was going to, um, that she was probably going to get all excited. And it was all out of worship now that I'm an adult, but as a kid, it was terrifying. Um, and so I remember doing those things, um, you know, we, we would often have, you know, lunch and, you know, we'd have the ham and things like that. But the big thing that I remember was we'd get dressed up, we'd go to church and then those two things were bound to happen on Easter morning. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of funny. <laughs> but, well, so Ben, when we say Holy Week, and I think there's a lot of different interpretations about Holy Week. Can you just kind of give us a, a brief um, summary of what Holy Week is and why we call it Holy Week? So yesterday was Palm Sunday. Just kind of give us a, a elevator pitch of, of what the Holy Week is, and I hope that doesn't minimize it. I just more for time's sake. Yeah, sure. I mean— it is a tradition that has developed in the church. It's not actually something that we see in Scripture um, as far as a series of days that we're supposed to observe year by year, but it's something that's to help us walk through that, that final season of Jesus's life from the time when he entered Jerusalem until the time he was crucified and then resurrected. So, um, you know, we begin with Palm Sunday, like you just mentioned we had yesterday, which is the time when uh, Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey, and um, it was kind of a declaration that I'm here to, to reign as a king. Mm -hmm. But it was also, there's a heavy recognition in it that in order to get there, we all know the end of the story, he was going to have to go through the cross. And then um, the next major day is Maundy Thursday, which is a, a a remembrance of the night before Christ died when he gathered his disciples together in the upper room and they celebrated the Passover meal and he sort of transformed it right before their eyes into what we now know as the Lord's Supper. Um, and he told them, one of you is going to betray me. And so we call it Mondi because Mondi is from the Latin word for mandate and the mandate that Jesus gave his disciples that night was to love each other. And that's when he washed their feet as an example of loving one another. Next day is Good Friday, of course, and that's when um, we remember that Jesus was killed. He was, uh, they called for, they called his name, the crowds did, uh, to be killed by Pontius Pilate, and um, he was carried up to Golgotha, um, 
and um, hung on a cross. And it's it seems like such a misnomer because why would we call that day good of all days? Um, and there are different theories as to how it developed the name Good Friday, but um, you know, generally speaking, what he did for us that day is the single most good act that's ever been uh, performed on this earth. And then we kind of wait through the quietness of Saturday, and then on the third day, Sunday, we we have taken that as Resurrection Sunday, of course, when we all have the big celebration. Um, and give thanks for the fact that uh, he went through death and came out the back end of it in life for all of us. Amen. Well, so Ben, this this year's different. I mean, you know, even even with our various uh, you know growing ups or raisings with within the church, you know, Maria talking about hers and and uh, through the Catholic Church and what you guys did. You know, part of part of all of our stories is the fact that we're together, and that we're going yeah. to church. But this year is going to be a little different. And I think uh, a friend of ours did say it best that you know, despite that it's different, is there a way that we can make this memorable? And mm-hmm. uh, and so I guess as you've been thinking about it from a pastoral ship, and thinking about the the people that you care for within the Kirk. How, how have you been going about just the idea of worshiping differently this Easter while still recognizing that it is one of the holiest of days, if not the holiest? Yeah, it's, it's been really hard to think about. I mean, there is, I think, just to be honest, Taylor, up front, one of the things we have to recognize is there's probably going to be at least some aspect for all of us of grieving of mourning, that we can't be together, that we can't do the things that we grew up um, using as ways of celebrating and recognizing the, the beauty and the momentous meaning of this day. So I think that, you know, we can't just pretend that away, but um, we have been thinking about what are some ways for our live stream service at the Kirk that we can, we can make the service different, we can make it special, we can make it big. Um, and I am encouraging families to to be thinking themselves we, you know within your own home what can you do i think it's safe to say this will be one of the most memorable easters of our lifetime no matter what but we, what can we do to leverage this unique moment uh, as a way to help ourselves and our kids really absorb the meaning of easter in a whole different way and i've been thinking about that for weeks in terms of how does Palm Sunday mean something different to us? I was preaching on that yesterday. Um, how does how does Good Friday? We're going to talk about that this coming Friday in our Friday evening live stream. How does the idea that we we are kind of locked out of um, God's presence due to our sin, and when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn in the tabernacle, and it allowed us into his presence and hadn't had previously. How is that similar to the fact that we're locked out of our own building right now, and we can't be in the presence of one another as we worship God? And so I'm seeing a lot of parallels, and I, you know, I encourage people to think about on Easter morning, how can they take advantage of these parallels to the to the gospel story, the, the redemption story, and uh, really impress that on their kids and, and for uh, us as adults too. Mm. And so 
a really, I hadn't thought about some of those parallels. Um, that's a really good, good point. I think it is incredibly challenging because Easter is such a celebratory time and it's warmer and there's just like this excitement in the air. Um, so it's definitely challenging. Sure. So Ben, what kind of recommendations or tips would you have for families who are participating in live stream services at home to make it feel as close to church as possible? Yeah, it's a great question. We've encouraged our people to do a number of things. First of all, I've been saying, telling them, you know, from the time you wake up in the morning, think about what you would normally do on a Sunday. Go ahead and, and you know, take a shower and get dressed for church. You don't have to put on a full suit and tie if you don't want, but maybe don't sit in front of the, the live stream in your PJs. Um, get dressed. Uh, have breakfast before church. And then when you sit down in front of the live stream, as awkward as it is for a lot of people, and, and maybe some churches are doing live stream, they have pre-recorded, but, you know, whatever the, the venue or the format um participate in it as if you were in a room with other people. You know, when it's time to sing, sing. Uh, there are some people in our family who have good voices, and then there's <laughs> me. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, I haven't been at home with my family because I'm at the church um, recording the live stream. But um, I've encouraged my kids, go ahead and sing. Uh, when there's a responsive reading, read it out loud, even though there's only three mm -hmm. other people in the room. Um, even stand when there are certain parts of the service that are appropriate for standing. It, and the reason that all this is not ridiculous, even though it might feel that way, is because just like when we're gathered together in the same room in a sanctuary on a Sunday morning and God is with us when we gather together, he is equally with us in our gathered togetherness, even though we're in different physical spaces. Mm. So anything that's worth doing on a Sunday morning during a normal church service is, is equally worth doing. From our living room. Mm, it's a really good point. He's still present, even if it is a different setting, a different experience, yeah. different people, less people. Absolutely. So, so Ben, yeah. this morning I sent out the uh, Monday morning greeting uh, that I've been doing for our families, and uh, I led with the the hymn "Jesus I Come," just the the last verse, and um, it's a, it's a really beautiful. Um, just him of, of drawing close to the Lord. And I guess, how would you encourage those listening to draw close to the Lord when everything else in this world is saying be distant from someone or something? Because it's it's pretty emotionally, I guess, it's, a, it's an emotional paradox, frankly, of seeing friends, and if you are able to see them and not hug them, viewing with people, not shaking hands, that sort of thing. There is so much of our engagement. And so how do you, how would you encourage engagement when we're not really supposed to engage? And so th there's this kind of distance between us and the Lord at this, at, in a way. Yeah, it is interesting how our relationship with the Lord changes the way we relate to each other and the way we relate to each other helps us understand our relationship with the Lord. And so I think this Easter and throughout this coronavirus um, pandemic crisis interruption to our lives, it is actually, it's, it's key. It's important. It's not just to feel good, but it's actually necessary for our health to continue 
connecting with each other. You know, I'm preaching through Hebrews right now. And it's funny, I I thought I was preaching through it for other reasons. And all of a sudden, I'm just mm. I'm preaching through it because it really has a lot to say to us. And just such a, a situation as we find ourselves with this stay at home order. And later on in, in chapter 10, everybody is familiar with the passage that says, do not neglect to meet with each other as is the habit of some, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. So if we apply that just to this week, I need to stay in touch with people, not just because it feels good for me to stay connected, but because I've been instructed by my Lord to encourage them. Hmm. And all the more as the final day draws near and as our our Easter day this week draws near. So we've got this technology, you know, I think Zoom, I can't imagine how we would have survived a situation like this socially 20 years ago, even 10 years ago. What would, it, what would we have done? We would have been so separated from one another. Um, and I know that people in the past have, have weathered those storms uh, with pandemics, but I'm so thankful that we have Zoom, that we have uh, iPhones and all these things. I, I think there's an opportunity here to really recover some of the older arts of just talking to each other on the phone, writing real letters with pencil and pen and paper. Um, but think about when I'm reaching out to communicate with somebody, whether it's my family, somebody in my church, maybe somebody I wouldn't normally try to connect with socially, but think about what am I doing to encourage them, not just to get my fix and, you know, chatting with friends or family or so forth. That's a really um, interesting as you were talking and just thinking about how I think we've all realized over these past couple of weeks how important the, the physical presence of people are in our life mm-hmm. um, and how that is a parallel uh, to, you know, the presence of the Lord in our life and how, you know, this is, it's inter- it feels like a kind of a warped reality, you know, of like more, it doesn't feel like we're living regular life right now. Um, you know, yeah. so Ben, for those, for those families that maybe had a routine and a structure in how as a family, they spent time um, as, as a family in prayer or, or anything like that, what would you, how would you recommend that they operate even now as this is kind of an alternate reality. But as we've just talked about, we have such a need to be close and present um, in our relationship with the Lord. What have you guys done to kind of help maintain that, that, um, that place at home where you guys are still connecting with each other, connecting with the Lord, doing that together as a family? Yeah. You know, just to comment for a second on what you're saying, it was so strange to me. I, I this weekend a few minutes of a basketball game from I don't know 15 years ago. It was one of the games Bryant had, had played in, and it was I had this strange experience where I watched them playing, and um, and I saw them high fiving each sport. I saw fans cheering, jumping up and down in a packed out stadium, hugging each other, and I had this instinctive response where I thought. What's wrong with these people? Why are they so close to each other? Why are they touching each other, breathing on each other? And then, and then I realized, no, 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 that's normal. <laughs> what we're doing right now is not normal. This whole idea of stay away from each other, fear each other's germs to you know a pretty extreme degree. 
and I couldn't believe how much I had already adapted to this mentality that um, that to see people together in a space enjoying one another, even like physically touching each other, is wrong and bad and dangerous. So it's it, it is changing us, you know, actively. Mm-hmm. It's changing the way we perceive each other. Um, to answer your question, we have started um, a habit of getting up every morning and spending a half hour together as a family, working through um, a devotional book that that's useful for kids. Um, and then uh, we all take a turn reading the passage. There are some we answer together. The, the pandemic lens has given our kids, again, a different way to think about what Jesus has done for us, what the gospel means. And so some of the stories that they're very familiar with, they've, they've learned many a time in Sunday school and through their teachers at KDS. All of a sudden, we're reading the stories differently, asking different questions. Uh, and so, and then we pray together. Each person in the family prays. That's been a special time to really connect as a family mm-hmm. and also to, to spiritually connect with the Lord together. I do think it's possible now that we're, in, we're all under the same roof with our families almost 24-7, it's possible to think, oh, we are by default really connecting with each other because we're constantly in front of each other. But it's possible to live together for a long time and not invest in each other, um, not take time to stop and say, okay, let's do some family praying. Let's do some family checking in. How is each person doing right now? We're in strange times. It it brings unique stresses to each heart. if you don't stop and ask those questions, you may realize that you're doing a lot of living together and maybe a lot of um, stepping on each other's toes even, but you're actually not taking advantage of this time to care in a new way for each other. That's, Very that's, true. Yeah. yeah. A that's good a, reminder. That is a great reminder. Uh, definitely for me, because I know a lot of times I feel like my parenting sometimes is more of uh, babysitting frankly, and that's yeah. not mm-hmm. a healthy place to be. And uh, I know yesterday uh, even uh, Anderson came out and was wanting to, to play, and uh, thank goodness um, the Lord and maybe Anderson hit me at the right moment, and I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. And I remember like, man, we're, we're home a lot, and we're not doing this as quite as much as we, as we need to, and so that's a, that's a really good reminder. So, Ben, um, last question for you from, from me is is really this how is live streaming going for you like i would imagine that's really yesterday you told a joke it was actually a good joke so congratulations <laughs> whoa thanks yeah that's unexpected <laughs> i know i know you're welcome um no but you you tell a joke and there's no one in the audience and yeah. there's no feedback and you're you're preaching you're not seeing faces and it's so different because i, I mean i, I sit with you uh, every Sunday, and so I, I, I kind of know your cadence and know, know the way that you, you kind of do things, and while I, I feel like you're still coming through, I imagine that's an incredibly difficult thing, so what is it like, kind of walk us through a Sunday morning now for you of, of going to a live stream and, and even what it's like to, to prepare and preach a message with really no audience? It's been interesting. Um, it's been a real learning curve for us. Um, some churches have been ready for this. Churches have invested a lot more in their um, technological capacity as far as audio visual for, for a live stream kind of situation. 
And we hadn't done that. And some of that was, it was intentional. Um, I've always been a little bit nervous about broadcasting our worship service with such a, a degree of excellence that it might, it might encourage people to, to want to stay at home on a Sunday morning and participate each, each week um, from the couch instead of from the pews and being together. Um, but little did I know there was a time coming where we would have no option but to do that. And so we've been having to work pretty hard uh, to figure out the technology side of it. And we've got some amazing people on our team who are doing that and, and really knocking it out of the park, working overtime. And I'm so thankful for them. Uh, but it, but it's still new for me to come in to our chapel on a Sunday morning. And instead of greeting people and sitting down a few minutes, we're doing like um, live stream sound checks. We're, we're checking the, the, the white screen ratio, whatever, you know, and, and then you get up and you stand and you talk to a camera lens and um, it, it's what we have to do. And I'm, I'm frankly, I'm thankful that the Lord has given us at the Kirk this time to really grow in this area and get better at it. Cause I think we're going to need to have it for quite a while available for people. Um, and I want to do it in a way that allows me age in worship and isn't seen from worship. Um, but so pretty sure that my fears were unfounded uh, before all this happened, that people would just want to stay at home for church every week. I think what this is teaching us is we all want to be together and we can't wait to not have to watch the service on a screen and be a part. Mm. Um, and so for me, it's worth the effort right now, but it's only reinforcing the idea that people are made to be together and we're not going to give up on meeting together as soon as we have the chance to get back to it. So, yeah. No, I appreciate that. Thank you, Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Ben. And, yeah. um, Ben, I, to be with you I'll be praying for you this week. Hope, hope your, your prep goes well. Thanks for your time this morning. And, um, yeah. thanks for, thanks for just caring for Kirk day school the way you do. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's my pleasure. I'm, I'm really thankful for both of you and the hard work you do. You do it so well. And, our kids especially love you to pieces so keep it up uh, you got it thanks friend you have a great day you got it talk to you thanks, later ben. All right.